You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 366, we're discussing the brand new Ahsoka trailer, Secret Invasion, Wolverine in full live action costume, and Jurassic Park crowdfunds. I'm your one and only host for this episode. It's Tim, and I am stoked to be here with you guys this episode to talk about a lot of stuff. It's been a pretty busy week in the world of nerd and particularly today we got a brand new ahsoka trailer a brand new blue beetle trailer we've got secret invasion episode four coming up here tomorrow as i record we've got a new jp crowdfund going on san diego comic-con exclusive we're on the eve of course of the week of san diego comic-con And we've got a brand new image of, or the first image, I should say, of Wolverine in his classic yellow costume. And that Wolverine being Hugh Jackman coming back in Deadpool 3, the first one coming from the MCU. So it's been an exciting week. And I just got to take a bit of a breath here because I just feel like I'm about to explode. You know, we've gone several weeks even months without anything super exciting happening. Yes, there's been things like indie coming out and lots of movie reviews and lots of movie discussions that we have had, but it's been a minute since we've talked Star Wars in any real capacity. And that's where we're going to start this episode with this Ahsoka trailer coming at us on August 23rd. So just over a month away, we get a two episode drop and the debut of the next Disney plus show in the Star Wars universe. Now, Lucasfilm is coming at us pretty hard with this trailer. This has to be one of the more epic Star Wars trailers that we've seen in a long time. And now Star Wars knows how to cut a trailer. They have a tendency to pair great scores with a lot of action and some of those moments that we crave inside of Star Wars. And this trailer did not fail to deliver on that at all. It is very much an introduction to what this show is going to be and much more beyond what the title indicates in just Ahsoka. This is going to be an Ahsoka story, of course, but it's going to be building on so much more. A foundation that Dave Filoni laid years ago with the Clone Wars and Rebels in the animated form and in that universe that he really developed and has shown just little glimpses of as we've progressed through three seasons of The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. So the first place I actually want to start before I talk about the trailer in any capacity is really the surprise of how high of a barrier for entry this show seemingly has. And I don't think that's a particularly bad thing, but I'm coming at this from a Star Wars fan perspective. I look at this trailer, I look at this show, and although I see absolutely epicness i do fear that the barrier for entry is going to be too high for your casual star wars fan for your casual disney plus watcher this has a lot of embedded characters that we're supposed to know who they are 
based on how this trailer is cut. This isn't an introductory trailer introducing characters like Hera and Chopper and Sabine and Thrawn. These are glimpses and almost an MCU style of you already know who this character is, therefore we don't have to do any work here. Now, I'm sure that's going to be done in the show. But when I watch this as a Rebels fan and as a Star Wars fan, I'm all in. But I do fear, and I, I'd love to hear from listeners out there that maybe aren't as embedded inside of the Star Wars universe, about how you feel about walking into this. Do you feel intimidated by the level of lore and background knowledge you have to have to maybe truly and fully appreciate what this show is going to be about? That's That's probably the only sticking point to have in this whole trailer because when you really get into the Star Wars piece of it, when you get into the storytelling piece of it, this looks like it's going to handle and dive into a lot of different stories because it looks like we've got a few different things happening here. One, of course, being Ahsoka's story in the post-Return of the Jedi, post-Rebels world. You know, where was she during the entirety of the Star Wars trilogy? Where is she now coming off of appearances in The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett? And what's her story and where is it going to go in relation to, to Thrawn and really her Jedi lineage? There was discussions in this trailer about her having commitment issues almost to certain people depending on their beliefs and commitment to the overall Jedi order. And then you've got on the other side of this, you've got what looks to be a relatively comprehensive Sabine story. Now, Sabine's a character that comes to us from the Star Wars Rebels show introduced there. We've got a lot of character development of that character in Rebels. But jumping straight into it here, we're getting essentially her epilogue or the epilogue from Rebels and her follow-up story as to where she was and where she's gone. And it looks like she's progressed quite a bit in the sense that she potentially was trained in the quote-unquote Jedi ways, I think more of the combat style and maybe overall approach of a Jedi, less so the Force, but also her relationship to people like Hera and overall Rebels and Ezra. We do see Ezra, a glimpse of Ezra here in this and her reflecting back on a message from Star Wars Rebels, not a new message, I don't think, from Ezra. And so there's those kind of dueling stories that look like they do start to interweave, but it looks like Sabine is less so of a supporting character and more so of one of the leads, I think, in this show, at least from this trailer. And so that's very exciting to see that Dave Filoni, who is directing and who's written this, who also co-contributed to The Mandalorian, has directed episodes there, and who will also be getting a big screen film out of presumably this show, where this show leads is likely directly into The Heir to the Empire, that we get here because we also get the introduction of I guess the first public introduction to a live action Thrawn in this as well and so that that's another barrier that people have to get over is we didn't have a whole bunch of movies and if you didn't read the Thrawn books in the 90s the Timothy Zahn books and if you didn't watch Rebels you might not know who this guy is and you might not really appreciate what he can do and what he's capable of and how he stands shoulder to shoulder with some of the biggest villains in the Star Wars universe. The tactical nature of Thrawn makes him less of a physical force to be reckoned with and more of a mental slash emotional force to be reckoned with, which is something a little different than we've seen in the Star Wars universe, where a lot of the times it's left up to the force and blunt force fighting. So 
I, I love what I'm seeing here in the introduction that we're going to have so many pieces in play. And that's not even including a discussion around what looked to be two, or at least one former Jedi that knew Anakin and his apprentice. And you get what looks to be an Inquisitor in this as well. We've got some intriguing imagery with regards to potentially the world between worlds, which is a time travel, time manipulation, time and space manipulation mechanism that was used in Rebels. And so, you know, how far are we going to go into the fantastical elements of Star Wars? And then, like I mentioned before, we've got Hera in this. And then undoubtedly, we're going to get a bunch of cameos. And I think there's this is a spoiler. I'm going to put a spoiler tag on here. But there was a Lego set that leaked that Hera's son, Jason Sundula, is also going to be in this show. And so, like, as I'm talking this through and I'm kind of excitingly expressing or describing the characters that are going to be in this, I get a little bit more and more worried that the barrier for entry for this is going to be quite high. I had a good friend of mine asking if you need to watch Rebels to understand what's going to happen here. And the more and more I talk about this, the more and more I think that that is going to be the answer. Yes, you have to at least watch the last couple episodes of Rebels. And to really understand and appreciate what's going on there, you basically, I think, have to watch from the middle of season two all the way forward. Like Ahsoka isn't in Rebels a lot, but she certainly plays a role in parts of those seasons. And it really leads into the relationship that we see in this trailer, which is a somewhat of a dysfunctional relationship with Sabine and Ahsoka. Now, that dysfunction isn't seen in Rebels, but it will certainly be explored inside of this show. And so I, I love that we're getting essentially a live-action Rebels show paired up with an exploration of Ahsoka's post Return of the Jedi journey, but it's going to be interesting to see how all of this lands. I think, honestly, it's probably going to be one of the best live-action Star Wars TV shows, and we're coming off a pretty good run of shows, in my opinion, with Andor, Season 3 of The Mandalorian, and then moving into Ahsoka here. So absolutely no complaints from me there. It's just that even I look at a lot of this, and I'm struggling to follow the amount of threads that are shown in this trailer and sometimes it's just gonna have to be sit back relax and consume but if i were to put my wife into the co-pilot seat here and ask her to follow along i can tell you with great certainty that's not going to happen she is your ga she is familiar with star wars but she's not embedded in the fandom and I think she'll have a real problem following along with maybe some of the more subtle nuances of the story. I think in a grand sense, if you just say, here's the characters, this is what we're doing, and you just follow along from there. But that supplemental experience that you get from being embedded in the fandom is going to be appreciated by the GA on this one. And so it's, it's not a complaint. It's just a worry I have because I know I'm going to love this. I know that... All of my Star Wars brethren out there is are going to love this as well and thoroughly enjoy what pieces this adds to the grander Star Wars universe and the grander Star Wars narrative. But the GA is going to struggle with this one. I'm just going to put that one out there. It's going to be all, I think, all great and nothing to worry about here. But this is a caution, I think, for moving into that Dave Filoni-led movie that's going to be going to the big screen is... Is this going to be required watching? Because we've seen Marvel Studios struggle with this exact thing and where you need to have this Disney Plus investment 
to fully appreciate the story being told on the big screen. And yes, that is a, a style of movie watching that we've all been trained to do over the better part of 15 years, but it still requires that effort. And if people haven't made that effort, there is a risk there. And there's an identified risk when you look at the movies and success and failures, even of this year, and the, the slow and steady decline of the marvel universe to a degree and so just a little bit of a cautionary tale around this but i don't mean to dampen the expectations but i know there's a lot of people online that are expressing and going through the details of this trailer those of which i cannot provide but it is this is a piece of commentary that i did have rattling around in my brain that that did concern me outside of what is likely going to be one of the better star wars shows so there it is guys there's kind of a I guess, slightly different and tangential look at that Ahsoka trailer. You know, like I said, it's going to be awesome. And I watched that trailer like eight times. But uh, but there is a little concern there for the GA things. And this is being actually seen right now on Disney+, Plus, at least from my perspective, with the MCU's Secret Invasion. So this is a show. It's got We got three episodes behind us. We're halfway through the season. And like Ian and I mentioned a week or two ago, or even maybe, no, a week or two ago, is that we don't know how many people are actually watching the show. The chatter online is very, very quiet. And I think we got a couple things factoring into this. Not only there's a lot of content that's out there that people are catching up on, there's a lot of movies in the theater. This show has seemingly flown under the radar. Now, I think that, honestly, and like this isn't coming from the true Marvel fanboy inside of me, but I think that's a little bit of a shame. Because I think where audiences and myself included in this are feeling a little bit worn out by what seems to be a bit of similar storytelling and kind of a sausage factory approach to how these movies are somewhat presented yes there are unique elements to these tv shows and to the films but right now in the superhero genre a lot of it feels very very similar with slight little twists on it and that's usually inside of the character and I, I struggle this with, with the Blue Beetle trailer, which I'll get into in a few minutes. It just feels like more of the same. Where I think Secret Invasion is, it's got this subtlety to it that makes it feel very different from anything we've got in the genre right now. Outside of maybe you're into the Spider-Verse or even your Guardians. You look at those two movies, they're by far the most unique in the last couple of years. And they've done the best as far as audience and critical reception. So I think there's something to be said about Secret Invasion here, that it's it's something that I'd recommend going and checking out. There's three episodes out there. They're very consumable. It's kind of a mystery sort of vibe to it where you can kind of sit down and you get kind of locked into the story. You know, you got your familiar character in there that's leading this in, in Nick Fury. But you've got this element of the unknown scroll, the element of, you know, who do you trust? And there's a lot of intrigue to that because the story kind of weaves in and out and you can't really put your finger on the direction it's going. And because it's so removed from the typical superhero element and really it's somewhat removed from the MCU narrative, like this is all happening in a small corner with, yes, a couple appearances by the likes of Marie Hill and, and Rhodes and all that. But for the most part, it's doing its own thing in its own little corner. You know, similar to Guardians of the Galaxy, where 
it can play in the MCU sandbox, but it has general free reign on the storytelling because the narrative doesn't overly impact anything else. Now, we may see elements of this pop up in the Marvels and, and all that, but and, and of course it stems out of the Marvels in some brief cameo appearances inside of, I believe it was Far From Home, but ultimately, this is, I would say, a very much standalone show that is different from what we're getting. And so I'm not going to go into the depth and details of the three episodes. You know, we talked about episode one. But I would highly recommend jumping into this because it's unfortunately kind of the forgotten MCU child at this point. And I think that's a really, really a shame because I think a lot of people are going to find this maybe later on. And maybe when all six episodes have dropped, you can go back to it and binge right through. But I think a lot of people are going to find this later on and, and get intrigued by what it is. Because like I said, when we talked about the first episode, it's very much not that true secret invasion, which has this massive MCU or Marvel comic universe spanning story where the net effects bounce up into the likes of superheroes and all that. This is a very much a cerebral take on it, which, like I said before, is more akin to a book called Secret Warriors, I believe. And I like that aspect of it. This really feels like it's a building towards something and not something that's going to essentially culminate or climax in this season. I'm getting a vibe halfway through here that this could potentially go to a season two or make that leap up into weaving its way into kind of a grander MCU narrative. So I, I really think this is kind of a cool starting point for the cosmic side of things, exploring that more and potentially dropping hints at something bigger here. And, you know, that may be wishful thinking on my part, but ultimately go check it out. I'd love to hear your guys' opinion on this one. You know, am I crazy for thinking that this is, you know, a bit of a divergence from what we've got? over the last couple of years inside of the Disney plus MCU shows, or is this for you guys? Is this just typical? Is this just the same? And I'm just kind of looking at this through my rose colored MCU goggles here. So hit me up, you know, you know where to get me on Twitter, email, wherever, but we're going to continue kind of with the MCU here because just this past week, we got a pretty cool set photo from Ryan Reynolds from the set of Deadpool 3. Of course, this one being the first one that is branded directly under the MCU, and it's likely going to play into the multiverse concept that we've been seeing strung through a few of the MCU movies and really strung through the entirety of the film or the genre, I should say. But this one looks like it's going to bridge some of those gaps or those final gaps between that Fox 20th Century Fox, X-Men Universe, and the true MCU through some sort of multiverse connection. Now, I say that because, of course, these characters, and specifically Deadpool, resides outside of the MCU currently. Hugh Jackman's Wolverine is coming back to this. Of course, that was announced, you know, six, eight months ago, whenever that was. We were very excited to see a character or an actor return to a role that we didn't think he was going to in a post-Logan world that seemed to be the capper, the end story to that character. And Hugh Jackman himself kind of went out with a bang in that one. But he has agreed to return here, and I think probably very much under peer pressure from Ryan Reynolds. But it seems that they're going to really lean into some of the elements that were never really explored for that character 
in that original universe and specifically his 90s costume that being the yellow costume with of course the x on the belt you've got the silver claws or the at least the claw holes and the gloves and that that true wolverine look that those of us that grew up in the 90s watching the cartoon and reading the comic books really really are attached to and so we got this image of deadpool and wolverine essentially walking towards a camera and he is for the first time in 20 plus years i think when did the original movie come out 2000 so the first time in 23 years we see the yellow costume in live action on hugh jackman now say what you want about the costume i'm really digging it I do not think that he's going to be in this through the whole movie. I think this is a subtle nod and a little bit of a jab at the fact that he never donned this costume because when you zoom back and look at some of the other set photo leaks that have come out there, you can see they're battling, the two of them are battling in front of a crumbled 20th century Fox logo. And so this looks like a little bit maybe of a tongue-in-cheek style of reference towards that universe coming apart with the Disney with Disney purchasing 20th Century Fox and then some eventual melding where Deadpool himself is likely going to get sucked into the MCU proper potentially leaving behind that former X-Men universe in that 20th Century Fox maybe into an incursion or what have you where that universe is essentially destroyed uh, for those characters to never be seen again but it looks like that and this is just a guess the speculation that there's going to be some sort of multiversal tie where we, we potentially could get the cameos of all of those original x-men characters potentially in their original costumes that we never got to see truly put to screen in live action from that 2000s iteration yes i know there was that that appearance from the, the later phase of, of characters that are eventually melded together through days of future past but these are the characters that a lot of us grew up with this in the 2000s and then that those 90s iterations and all that so it's gonna be cool to see how deadpool does something different and you know i think it is a bit telling that deadpool itself was dropped into that may slot there seems to be a lot of confidence put into this movie from the mcu side and again it comes back to the delivery of something that is different and this is a theme i think we're going to see spun throughout the next year or two is that the Marvel Studios, DC Studios, potentially even Star Wars, are going to be chasing things that are different. And Deadpool really speaks to that. And so this pattern of very similar movies coming out, not necessarily weaving into a grander narrative like they did in the past, I think they're going to try to punctuate that with things that are different. I think like Secret Invasion, like potentially Deadpool 3. So I think the MCU is in course correct mode here. In, in my opinion, and I think right now when I'm looking at things, you know, we got Secret Invasion here. Marvel is going to be an interesting one. And then we've got, you know, a six or so month break till we get to Deadpool. But between Marvel's in November and I believe August is like our true MCU tentpoles. Like that's a fairly big gap, you know, outside of COVID, of course. But it's going to be interesting to see how these next projects for the MCU land in the light of what's gone on in the past couple of years you know this quantity over quality that we've talked about save a few 
movies like Wakanda Forever or like Guardians of the Galaxy. And so I, I'm thoroughly interested in this, and I'm actually kind of feeling pretty good right now about, about the MCU. I was, I was definitely feeling a bit indifferent, maybe is the best word, towards the last few projects, except for, of, of course, Guardians. But Secret Invasion has kind of got me revved up, and it's the first show that I'm now seeking out on a week-to-week basis. I'm, I'm looking to watch that on wednesday night as soon as it drops as soon as i'm able to watch it on wednesday there so you know a couple couple big big w's i think for for the mcu with secret invasion and that wolverine costume reveal this this week but you know you know we can we we talk star wars marvel dc and and beyond in this we're gonna do just that in this in this episode here because blue beetle is another trailer that drops now i'm not going to a ton of detail i don't know a whole bunch about this character but I want there's a three minute trailer out there and there's not a lot of spoilers in it I don't think and it's very similar it's just kind of more extended scenes of what we've seen before but the thing that concerns me about the state of the genre and where this movie or how this movie looks I should say is that I have a strong feeling right now that this movie is not going to land that if they were to delay this a year and give everyone a bit of breathing room on this I think this has the potential to do a lot better but if I'm being honest with you, it feels, and I'm sorry for the DC fans out there, it feels like Iron Man. It feels like Spider-Man to a degree. It feels like something I've seen a whole bunch. And I think that's going to hurt this from like a GA perspective. People are going to look at this, ah, it's just another bug costume thing with weapons and a villain that has sort of a mere effect or a mere look to what the scarab is you know the bright spots are the family and zolo they're like the like ray you know what i mean like that's where this movie is going to excel is in that space zolo looks like he's having a blast with this character i love him in cobra kai and i i want to see him but i have no interest right now in the blue beetle aspect of it in the suit aspect of it and so I think that's a problem. And, I, and I'd love to, again, I go into you guys a lot in this one, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on Blue Beetle. You know, should this, given that this is the first, like, true James Gunn acknowledged DCU movie, should this be pushed out past Superman Legacy? Should Superman Legacy be the first film that establishes the tone, establishes the universe? Or is it going to be Blue Beetle? Like, when I look at The Flash, I look at you know ant-man of the wasp shazam i don't know if the dc brand can support something that potentially has a lot of good merits to it in blue beetle like i i'm sorry i'm just not digging this thing like i'm my hype level actually decreased by watching this trailer because i thought wow this feels so familiar and you know i've been guilty of of supporting the familiar in the past with the mcu but I feel that we've gotten to a point 15 years on here or so that they, we've got to be doing something different. We need we need this kind of break, and we've kind of chronicled this over the last couple of weeks and months that something needs to change here. And unfortunately, I have a, I have a true fear that Blue Bear, Beetle is going to get absolutely buried here. Now, saying that out loud, I could be completely wrong. This could this thing could shine through and be the surprise hit of the summer. This could do Guardians money in that August time frame, but I have a feeling it's going to get absolutely crushed by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which looks different, feels different, is fun. It's a four-quadrant movie, and Blue Beetles, I think, is going to run into that. So 
like I said, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but like I do have to have concerns with it. In the same way, I had concerns with with the Ahsoka trailer from a performance perspective. I'm not I'm not criticizing the film in particular, even with with Ahsoka. Like I think it's going to be an absolute banger. But broad audience appeal is what is going to get us subsequent seasons, and it's going to get us subsequent movies and universes. And right now, more so than ever, these things have to appeal to a broad audience. And I don't think Blue Beetle is going to do that. When you have like something like Barbie coming out and Ninja Turtles on either side of it, if you look at things like indie that has struggled with a so-so response from general audiences, same with The Flash, which is a great movie, but people are just like, eh, not for me. It's going to be a tough, tough go for, I think, the superhero genre when you're residing inside of the familiar, getting outside of that like your Deadpools, like your Secret Invasions, I think you will be wildly successful. But we got to drop that barrier for entry, guys, a little bit here, which I don't think Blue Beetle does have a big one. But ultimately, you have to get over that DC branding barrier for entry, and you have to get over the familiar. So I think this kind of has like two ticks against it right now, right out of the gates. And so I'm concerned. Like, if it were me, I would have pushed this guy way out. Let people forget about the past. Let's focus on the future. But I want the future to be stumble out of the blocks for dc i want dc to be successful i want james gunn and peter saffron to be successful i just don't think this is the place to start Woo, guys that that's that's a that's a lot that's that was a I'm, I'm trying to be my normal positive self but i'm also trying to be realistic around some of this stuff you know these discussions that are like i said before a little tangential from what's going on online without being mean or mean-spirited or or overly critical it's it's like let's look at these things and, and have these discussions and engage in i think a healthy debate us to to some of these things because the, the genre is changing you know we interesting enough you know we've witnessed the rise of the connected universe of the superhero genre with the last 10 15 years it's, it's been really cool as a fan to experience it from start into almost your the midlife crisis of the comic book genre and and here we are we're sitting with so many great things in front of us and so many great things behind us but we're at a critical pivot point i think in all of this and it, it's been really cool to follow along and so that that's why i'm asking some of these questions is you know what can be done what needs to be done to re-engage an audience in the same way they were in 2017 and 18 and 19 specifically with the mcu and yeah and i want to have those conversations so like i said like and i've been continuing to say like hit me up on all this and i think we're going to transition to the, to the last topic for today because i really want to talk about jurassic park crowdfunding you know i we haven't talked a ton about collecting on this podcast in the last little while we haven't done a toy stream for a while and that's really because i've really ratcheted back my collecting as i try to figure out kind of the next steps in life and, and what i want to do with everything but as the crowdfunding aspect of collecting has really evolved so much in the last couple of years to the point where we're getting dream projects put in front of us but also a very public display of support or not support you know you go back to the rancor i would have loved to have the six inch scale or the black series scale rancor would i want it now probably not but you look at some of the more recent failures like the wcw mattel creates ring 
some of the star two of the last star wars projects were failures but you look at things like the marvel legend stuff the galactus and the sentinel huge successes all the gio stuff wild successes and so I, i'm i'm just so intrigued by what is it what fandom is driving this is it price point is it the offering because there's this amazing just absolutely amazing mattel creations crowdfund out there right now and it's the gates it's the jurassic park gates and the tears are unbelievable the look of the gates opening the sound effects as you and then you've also get the ford like the jungle explorer it's got like rubber wheels and it's just a beautiful design in that six inch scale or sorry the three and three quarter inch scale you get the tim figure and you get like the include like proper enclosing fences that look really cool the next layer up is the buck t-rex which i think is the only big question mark on this why do you be getting the lost world t-rex inside of a jurassic park crowdfund you know i don't know there's you get the lex and the goat it's it's such a an amazing offering from mattel but for for me from my perspective there's one big issue it's the canadian price you know we get dung an extra hundred or so dollars on top of what the american price is but when i look at this there's something going on here as i record there's 15 days left on this it's only 26% funded, 1,314 backers of the target 5,000. And that 5,000 only gets you the motorized entrance gates and the Ford Explorer. doesn't get you the figures of the T-Rex. Like, I would probably sell the T-Rex, but, like, why isn't this being backed? Like, there's, in my opinion, there's almost nothing they can do that's going to get this backed. Like, abs- like, I don't know what how you get this back. And I don't know what else you offer in this space. Like, I think the Jurassic collecting community is quite substantial. And I haven't gone and done any research as to why this hasn't landed. Like, why didn't this get funded in the first couple of days? Is is it truly the price? For me right now, it's the price point. Like, 435 Canadian dollars, it's awesome. If all of this was included in that 435, hell yeah. Like, that would be, to me, an immediate back. But we're to get to 10,000 backers to get the whole gambit of, of the action figures, the Tim and Lex and the GOAT, the t-rex the paddock signs which comes from early backing which i think potentially has been already passed so we those those aren't included the gate is cool but like is it too much of the same thing like there's an awesome original gate there's been a lego gate there's i think been statue style gates like is that one iconic piece too much i but i don't know what else you offer and so like these crowdfunding things like they're offering literally dream items i would have i would have died to have had this as a kid like i have the original one from 93 and the gates are pretty cool but there are nothing like this offering and the fencing to go with it that is screen accurate fencing like again absolutely like i want this so bad and i'll ultimately back this and you know i'm part of the problem because i still haven't backed this thing but I just don't know why I thought this thing was like a surefire first couple day backing and it's just not there. Like it's a 250 US dollar price tag. Like why don't you, why, why isn't this being backed? If there's anyone that's got some insight on this, I'd love to hear this broken down. And I've seen some cool stuff over on Toe Anxiety, the uh, YouTube show there run by the Yes Have Some guys. 
there's a couple of charts they show about the pace needed to get to some of these crowd funds and they follow these pretty closely, like all of them. And I'm sure there's a marketing person that's sitting at Mattel right now scratching their heads. Like the WCW ring failed. This Jurassic Park thing looks like it's going to fail. Like like what what's worked? The GI Joe community is like rabid for this stuff. The Marvel legend people are like, is it just a reflection of the size and scale of the communities, the collecting communities, or is it a price point thing? Like four hundred dollars, four hundred thirty-five dollars is a lot of money for a toy, like a lot. So I don't, I don't know what's what's really going on there. But they did offer up. I don't know if this is a crowdfund or if this is just like a, a virtual offering via the Mattel Creates website. But it is jumping up on their website on Friday, July twenty-first at nine a.m. So I think it's that, is that next Friday. Yeah, the Friday after next is what I think is an SDCC exclusive, potentially, but it is the uh, Steven Spielberg figure from the original Jurassic Park film. Now, this thing is pretty darn cool, and it carries a price point of $43 Canadian, 30 US dollars, which I think is a pretty reasonable price for this. It comes in this like wonderful box. It's got, on the back side, it's got kind of the clicker board, like the Jurassic Park clicker board for like, you know, action. And then it's got Steven Spielberg with his chair, like his director's chair, a camera, his look from the making of Jurassic Park. He's wearing this dinosaur shirt with the raptors on it. He's got that beard, the glasses. And this look, and he looks like he's, oh, the glasses come off. The glasses come off. I can see that in the picture here. Like the chair looks awesome. And it also comes with the Dilophosaurus. And it's just this cool, very unique figure that you know i don't collect the hammond collection or the legacy collection whatever it is but this this to me is a 100 percent purchase at this price point like i think 43 dollars is a little much for this but being an exclusive a cool presentation as well as a dinosaur figure and some pretty cool accessories like yeah i'm game for this one for sure so like the 30th anniversary for jurassic park is has turned out a lot of really cool items including that there's a small lego set for the visitor center that i still have to pick up there's this mattel creations crowdfund there's this new steven spielberg figure so you know jp is doing i think the right things it's just trying to capture i guess that right audience at the right time so it's it's a fun space and you know my collection my collecting like i said has been a a bit slow but things like this are what intrigue me to get back into it to a degree i'm never going to go full on into modern jurassic park collecting i'm very much a retro collector but having these little commemorative pieces are i think really important for collectors like me like just to mark a moment in time mark the 30th anniversary i haven't really gotten much for the 30th anniversary outside of i think the uh dr squatch or whatever it is soaps but this is probably going to be the piece i pick up to commemorate this point in time the 30th anniversary of of Jurassic park one of my favorite if not my favorite movie of all time so there it is guys there's a podcast for this week you got me in a single take with that like, i did not there's probably almost no cuts in this episode and i hope you guys enjoy these ones you know sometimes i, I have to go out this solo because you know ian we had a conflict here we're, we're often at times trying to record over great distances and time zone changes and we're often able to make it work but this evening just didn't work out for ian so we will be back next week talking about all things stories marvel dc and beyond we're potentially 
next week having a live stream which we will be doing a mid-year recap on the Nerd Room Vigilante 1939 box office pool. So look to social media at the NerdRM for information on that because that is going to be an absolute blast once we do it. Either next week or the week after. Depends if we want to have the Barbie numbers or the Barbie, or sorry, the Mission Impossible numbers, or if we want to have the Barbie and Oppenheimer numbers to kind of fill out or round out that conversation because we've gotten to a really pivotal point in this box office pool. And if you haven't been following along, every Monday, either Sunday night or Monday morning, I post an update as to where everyone's at. And it's been particularly exciting over the last two months because we've gotten so many movies dropped. So go check that out at the NerdRM on social media, particularly Twitter is really where I do most of the conversing there and posting of that stuff. So it's all there. It's very exciting stuff. So guys, I appreciate you plugging in this week and joining me in this journey through nerd. And, uh, and just again, thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing this experience with me. So guys, I hope you have a absolutely wonderful end to your week, a beautiful weekend. Enjoy and consume some nerd. Hit me up on online here at the nerdrm at gmail.com, at the nerdroom.net, or at the nerdrm on Twitter. And let me know on some of these topics. I asked for a lot of feedback and input from you guys. I want to hear from you guys. Let me know what you thought of that Ahsoka trailer. Secret Invasion, Wolverine in Yellow, Blue Beetle, and of course, the Jurassic Park crowdfund. So, guys, with all of that being said, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Carlos, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net and The Nerd Room YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag WeTheNerd to keep up with the latest from The Nerd Room.